Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your hosts, Jeff and Lonnie Jenkins. Hello, friends. Very glad to be back with you. I'm Lonnie. We have our guest almost today. He's been away from us for a while. This is Pastor Jeff over here. Glad to be back with you as, uh, as well. Yeah, we're studying on the subject of water baptism, which we've gone into the details of the technicalities of water baptism. But now we're moving on into uh, what goes along with water baptism, the attitude of heart of water baptism, and then uh, just feel like the Holy Spirit drifted us away from water baptism only into the three steps of the new birth, which are water, blood, and spirit. Water baptism, sanctified life, and then God fills the vessel. And so in the three steps, then the scripture teaches us that we enter into each of these through faith in God's word. And so we mentioned previously that not everyone can believe. Paul wrote to the Ephesian church, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. So not every man has, has faith, has the gift. But for those who do, that's the ones we're talking to. For those who don't, Scripture says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. So maybe with sharing the word with you, something will come alive. So the, we closed last time. We were talking about the Hebrew children in, uh, in uh, Hebrews chapter 3. It says they could not enter into the promised land, which they call their rest, could not enter into that rest because of unbelief. And so we're also typing it out that when we go into our baptism of the Holy Ghost, we're entering into our rest because in Genesis, when Jesus, excuse me, when God finished his creation, he, he entered into his rest because the work was finished. When we enter into the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we enter into our rest because the scripture says that we are sealed unto the day of our redemption. So there's a rest that comes at that place, even though you haven't fully arrived, you're still maturing in Christ, but we're to cease from our works and let Christ live his life through us. So right now, just lingering a little while on the rest, entering into rest that Joshua had to take the people into their rest. Pastor Jeff, carry on for us, would you? Yes, what you can find in the scriptures is that if you're justified, but you don't go on into the new birth, you can still fall away. Yeah. If you're sanctified and don't go on into the new birth, you can still fall away. And that means, I mean, fall away to eternal damnation. But once you're baptized with the Holy Spirit or filled with the Holy Spirit, whatever term you'd like to use, once Christ comes to dwell in you, then you're sealed until the day of your redemption. You can never fall away from that. That's the true understanding of eternal security. Once you're born again, you're eternally secure. Born again isn't just accepting Jesus as your Savior. That's just the beginning. You've got to go on to receive the Holy Ghost. In Acts 19, it says, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Not when you believe, since you believe. So there's a believing and then there's a receiving that may come, that will come later if you continue to believe. Why didn't the two million or so Hebrew children receive their rest? because they didn't continue to believe. They were supposed to go into the promised land and receive their possession, their promised land, their rest. They didn't because of unbelief. So we can't stop on our journey. We must continue to walk in the light, continue to move forward in Christ. Namely, 
justification, move forward into sanctification, and then right into the new birth itself. Now, I'll read you a scripture that we stopped at last time we were with you in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. God ceased from his works on the seventh day. We cease from ours when we receive the Holy Spirit. Why do we cease from our works? It's, we are not doing it. It's Christ that lives in us. Paul said, I live. Nevertheless, it's not I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. So I live and move and have my being because of Jesus Christ. So what I do in the Spirit, I do by yielding to the Spirit. I can do nothing. Jesus said, abide in me and my words abide in you. For he said, without me, you can do nothing. That's the revelation that a believer comes to every single day. That revelation gets greater and greater that in ourselves, our humanness, we are insufficient. So we must be born again. Christ must come and dwell in our hearts. Christ must come and live his life out through us. If I had the if I had a spirit of another man living in me, another person, a criminal, uh, whatever it might be, then I would do the acts of that criminal. But if I have the spirit of Christ living in me, then I'm going to live out the life of Christ. I want Christ's spirit living in me. Then I must yield to the spirit that lives in me because my flesh is contrary and will always be an enemy of God. Remember this now. You're born again on the inside. The flesh will always be an enemy. Now, let's go on and look at this. Verse 11, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Strive past the obstacles of unbelief. Strive past the obstacles of sin, the flesh, the world, the devil. Strive past the obstacles of temptation. You will always be tempted. Just remember that. You'll always be tested. What happened to Jesus after he was filled with the Holy Spirit in John chapter 4? What happened with Jesus? Jesus, the Bible says, immediately came out of the water and was tempted of the tempter for 40 days and 40 nights. Will you be tested after you receive the Holy Ghost? You bet you will. You'll be tested and purged and tried. Now, it goes on to say then, verse 12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What brings the birth? What allows the light to go past the flesh and past the spirit and strike the soul? The word. The word. Stay in the realm of the word. The Bible says you're born again by the seed incorruptible, the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Let me read that. Let me say that again. You're born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, by the seed incorruptible, the word, the word which liveth and abideth forever. That's the seed that you're born again by, God's word. Not watered down soup, not man's theology, not traditions of man. Jesus said, by your traditions, you make my word of none effect. Not and not some ritual that a church tells you to believe. That's not what causes you to be born again. The Word of God, the Bible, you must be in the Word. You must be praying and seeking God. It's a personal walk. You're not saved because you go into a church and become a Baptist or a Methodist or to my church. That doesn't save you. You must meet Jesus Christ personally. He is the Word. Now, to further emphasize how the birth comes, look at the scriptures in, in Matthew chapter 13 with me. And notice what the scriptures say here. Jesus referring to the, to the Hebrew people that had rejected, the Jewish people that had rejected the gospel, it says of that them that they were actually ordained to reject it so that the Gentiles could receive the word of God. Now, we'll read this together, but notice 
the secret and the mystery of the new birth here, how to be born again. We've talked about your attitude, but let's watch how the word, is, the, which is the light, that quickens the seed, how this works. Now, I'm reading to you in Matthew chapter 13. The disciples were confounded. They asked Jesus, why do you speak plainly to us, but in parables to the people? And, in, and it says in verse 11 of chapter 13, he answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. So he would speak to them in mysteries, but he would speak clearly to the disciples. Now, what would the understanding of the word bring? Conversion, transformation, the new birth. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundant. But whosoever shall, uh, hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. All right? Therefore speak I to them in parables, because seeing they see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. So if you hear the word of God but don't understand it, you can't be born again yet. But if God quickens the revelation of that word that you are hearing, ah, now you're a candidate for the new birth. Goes on to say, in them, referring to the Jewish people, not all the Jews, of course, many of them did receive, but to the masses they didn't. In them is fulfilled the prophecies of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall not hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall not, and shall not perceive. And this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. What brings healing of the soul? What brings healing of the mind? What brings a conversion? Hearing, seeing, and understanding the Word. Mm -hmm. So when you're, when you're reading your Bible, read it prayerfully. Don't read it like a newspaper. Don't see how much you can read in a day. Stay on your knees. Read it prayerfully. God, make your word alive to me. Speak to me. This is the attitude. This is what the, the three series that we've been through now on the, on, the, on the reason and the attitude for baptism is to get your heart right so that when you're immersed in water in the name of Jesus Christ, you've got the right attitude. God can fill you with the Holy Ghost. They did not receive the Holy Spirit, the Jews, because their understanding was unfruitful. They could not really hear or see the Word of God. And in doing so, they were not converted. But what if you hear and what if you do see? You will be converted. So the transformation comes by receiving the Word. That's what we read to you in, in Acts chapter 10. Seeing, the Bible says that while the Word was being spoken, they received the Holy Ghost. Why? It fell upon hearing ears and seeing eyes, spiritual ears and spiritual eyes. Lonnie, do you have any more comments that you'd like to well, bring on that? Well, uh, Mark worded uh, what you're talking about just a little bit different <clears throat> yeah. in the book of Mark, and I'd like, like to, to read that. It's the same parable, but just worded slightly different. Mark chapter 4, verse 11. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. Mm -hmm. So we find that both the birth and the manifestation of the Word of God comes with a clear understanding, and it is the Holy Spirit that is the inside teacher. Good. So these things all tie together. And while we're on this subject, we'll need to get back to focusing on some points of baptism in a moment, but I'd like to, because we've been talking about the three steps, mm -hmm. I'd like to take you, audience, to a uh, Old Testament uh, symbol of the very same thing we're talking about. We'll put on the screen for you an image of, the, of Moses 
tabernacle in the wilderness. And here we, here we see the, the tabernacle with its fence around it. And we also see the uh, t uh, tents of Israel around that. And then so the tents of Israel, let's use that as, the, as just illustrating the world, we'll call that, because it's outside of this enclosure for God. And then we come through that gate there, and now we're in the outer court. And in the outer court are only two symbols and uh, two, uh, two pieces of furniture. And, and that's the uh, altar, brazen altar for uh, burning the sacrifice and also a brass uh, container full of water. Mm -hmm. And so here coming through now, coming into this outer court now, we have our sacrifice that's believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for you, paid all your sins. And then the very next thing is water. So we've got that, now that's coming, we're typing now, coming out of the world, going in, approaching God. We're not in God's presence yet. You'll notice on the uh, temple now that, excuse me, in the picture of this illustration that there's two more divisions yet, yet to go. And so now we go through a little curtain into this second section and this is called the holy place. And in the holy place is seven golden candlesticks and a table of showbread and an altar of incense that represents prayer. And so in this second place now, a veil drops behind you, and so you can't see out now to this outer court anymore. There's a veil there. So now look at the transition. When you first came out outside the tabernacle into the outer court, you were still standing in the same light that you were standing in out in the world. Even though there was a sacrifice and there was the water, the light you were walking in was exactly the same. If it was moonlight outside, it's moonlight inside. If it's foggy outside, it's foggy inside. What does that mean? That if you've only come to justification, you haven't come very far. Jesus has washed you from your sins and that's a long ways, but the light you're walking in hasn't changed very much. And so you still are motivated by the same things in life. Mm -hmm. But once you step into this holy place and the veil drops behind you, the illumination has changed. It's now the seven golden candlesticks. And we find in Revelations uh, chapter one that the seven candlesticks represent seven churches. And so church ages. So now you're living in the light of the church. Amen. And so the church now is giving you instruction and teaching you how to live and preaching to you the word of God. And, and so now this illumination of the word through the preaching of the word, candlesticks the churches, is, is uh, doing something in your life. You're being washed by the water of the word now. And then over here is the table of showbread. You're beginning to feed on Christ, who is the word. And then so for a while you can be happy here, but if we watch the Old Testament symbolism, those candlesticks didn't burn eternally. They'd sometimes get all carboned up and smoke up and they'd have to trim the wick and they'd have to refill the lamp, and that's exactly what goes on through the churches. It's not a perfect light. It's a more stable light as far spiritually than the outside world, but it's still not quite where you wanna be because we look at our drawing and the next step then goes into place where the Ark of the Covenant is and the cherubim with their two wings overshadowing the Ark, Ark of the Covenant, and then there's the place standing over the mercy seat. That's where God says, I'll speak to you from between the wings of the cherubim. Mm. So now back out in our holy place, now we take a little incense and prayer and say, Father, 
When I came in through the gate, you told me if I'd repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, I had a promise of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I'm here to claim my promise. And with prayer, you push on in now through that next veil. That veil, by the way, represents the very same veil that was rent at Calvary mm -hmm. when Jesus died. And, but that was in Solomon's temple, not this one, but the same, same veil. And so therefore now we can go into that place, into the Old Testament, only the high priest could go in there once a year. But when Jesus died, that rent the veil, and now every believer through that perfect blood of Jesus Christ has access to the mercy seat, has access to the presence of God and can go in. And now the illumination is not natural light. It's mm. not the candlesticks. Now the light is the Shekinah glory of God. Mm. And so this now is entering into that rest that we talked about because your illumination is the presence of God living in your soul and it doesn't go out, it doesn't need to be rekindled. It's something steady burning down in the soul. You may have ups and downs in life, but that pilot light down in the soul never goes out. And there's that one, two, three steps, justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost. So God's taking us through those, through those stages to a new birth to be part of the family of God. So there's our three steps again, and if, if we've got Time and if you can remember where we were, mm -hmm. I've forgotten mm -hmm. where we were. I do. You remember? Okay. Yes. Well, let's go back to baptism wherever we were and wherever we left it. Okay. We left <clears> you <throat> uh, talking about the attitude of the heart with regard to uh, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and we found out that the hearer, the true spiritual hearer, the true spiritual seer, is the person that would become the candidate to receive the Holy Ghost. Those that could not hear or could not see could not be converted and their sins could not be blotted out. And so what we want is to hear and to see the word of God. Now, what we want, how can one then be a hearer and a receiver? And we've gone through this and this is the part I want to emphasize. It's the attitude of the heart. In Matthew, when Jesus was on the Mount of uh, Beatitudes, he was, he was preaching a sermon and he said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. So what you need to be doing is hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Which, what's righteousness? The Word of God. You don't go to the pubs. You don't go to the parties with your friends anymore. You don't, you don't uh, stay around those old worldly associates. You close yourself in to the presence of God. Get into this Shekinah glory. Get into the holiest of holies. Open up the lid of that mercy seat and you'll find golden manna. You want to feed on that golden manna. That's the word of God. You'll find Aaron's rod that budded and broke forth fruit in one night. That's life. Once you get into the presence of God, that's where life is. Jesus said, abide in me. And if, I, if you abide in me and I abide in you, then ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. The word abide means permanently dwell. So you want to begin to get serious about your walk. No longer flirting with the world, living for God. Have you ever thought of the man Enoch? Those of you that know your Bible know that Enoch, the Bible says, walked with God and was not, for God took him. He lived to be 365 years old, and God transported him out of this dimension into his dimension. The reason Enoch was transported, raptured, was because Enoch walked with God. We live in the age that will see the rapture of the church. Those, the word rapture comes from the word raptos, to be caught up. We are the age that will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. We which are alive and remain shall not hinder them that are asleep, but we both shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. 
Who are the people that will be caught up? Who are those that will be caught away? Those that are now caught away in the word of God. Those that are now walking like Enoch walked. Enoch was what? He was the seventh from Adam generationally. We are the seventh church age, or we are the seventh from Christ church age wise. The second Adam. The second Adam. We are, sec we are, we are the seventh from the second Adam church age wise. And Enoch was the second from the first Adam. And so this is the, 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 the seventh from the first Adam. We, wanna, we are the age that will see the rapture of the church. The Bible prophesies that the generation that sees Israel become a nation, they are a nation today, that generation shall not pass away till all scripture is fulfilled. There is a group of people on the face of the earth that will be transformed, raptured. How can I be a part of that rapture? Well, you need the resurrection and life living in you. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So you want to be like Enoch. You want to walk with God and be not. We are the age that will be transformed. Now, there will always be those that will, that will be dissenters and doubters, and some of them may be your own family and relatives. Sometimes it's even a very religious person that you had a lot of confidence in. You find out that his walk isn't really a walk with God. It's just merely a walk with religion. Religion never saved anybody. It's not religion that saves us. It's a personal encounter. It's a personal walk with Jesus Christ. Going back to the scriptures in John 15, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. What needs to be abiding in you? His word. Get the word of God on the inside of you. Feed on that word. And as I said before, separate yourself from all unbelief. Stow away in the holiest of holies. Get in that presence of the Lord Jesus. Pray. Seek the Lord. If you feel like fasting, fast. Labor to enter into your rest. That's what we're talking about. You're justified. You're sanctified. Now go on to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Is that a promise, Brother Jeff, for our day? Absolutely a promise for our day. Well, what's the evidence of the Holy Ghost? How can a person know for sure that they've got the Holy Ghost? It's, is it a sign? Will I see a vision? Will I have a dream? Will I speak in tongues? What's the evidence of the Holy Ghost? The evidence of the Holy Ghost is being able to receive the Word of God for your day. What does the Scripture say about the Holy Spirit? The purpose and promise of the Holy Spirit is to lead and to guide you into all truth. Not to give you a sensation, not to give you an emotion. Although loving the Lord and serving Him will bring many joys, many sensations, and many emotions. But that's not the evidence of the Holy Ghost. The evidence of the Holy Ghost is that the purpose of the Spirit, when we, when He, the Comforter, shall come, He shall show you things to come. He shall teach you things, and He shall lead and guide you into all truth. So the purpose of the Holy Ghost is to guide you into more truth. Jeff, are you saying that God is constantly revealing more and more of himself? That's what God loves to do. Amen. He loves to reveal more and more of himself. So you want to always be in prayer and in the word of God. We're living in the last days. So this is the age that the Bible refers to as fullness. So we're not living where we're not living in an age where we have a measure of the spirit, maybe a little bit of uh, a just justification under Luther or a little bit of sanctification under Wesley or maybe just the outpouring of the Holy Spirit under Pentecost. We're living in the age of fullness. What's fullness? All seven ages now and all their truths, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, all the way up to Laodicea, all seven anointings, seven spirits, seven ages, culminating in this last and final age, makes up what? Christ. Who was in the midst of the golden candlesticks? Christ, the Son of Man, was in the midst 
of the golden, seven golden candlesticks. So it's Christ that you're feeding on. You're not feeding on the words of Brother Lonnie or Brother Jeff. What we're trying to do is give you the Bible and get you acquainted with the Bible, get you in the Word of God and feeding on the Word of God. Why, Brother Jeff? Because in the Word is the birth. We want to bring a light to that seed. If you're hungry and thirsting and you're listening to us, maybe you've been listening now for many weeks, why, what is attracting you to what we're saying? It's not our personalities. It's not us. It's the word we're bringing. Isn't that right? And that word is having an effect on your life. So you tune in because you know that you want to be like Jesus. And you're getting something from the ministry here off of your television set. You're getting something from this ministry that's feeding your soul. You need to keep feeding but that doesn't mean that so I'm going to get old and die. Brother Lonnie's going to get old and die. You must be born again and have the teacher on the inside so that, and, and then that teacher on the inside will lead and guide you to brothers and sisters and people in Christ and a fellowship, a church that has more truth. If you want more information about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and more information about truth that we're preaching, simply get a hold of us. At the bottom of your screen, you'll see an address. You can get a hold of us at that address. We'll be glad to send you more material on water baptism, on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, things that you need to know to sustain yourself in this last day. See, we're living in an age where the Bible prophesies there'll be a falling away, a great, massive falling away, a falling away from what? Truth. Truth. So we're living in an age that people are religious, but they're falling away from truth. We're living in an age that Paul said that people will heap to themselves Teachers having itching ears. What's that mean? They'll say, tell us what we want to hear. So we have a rock and roll Jesus. We have a tongues and sensation Jesus, emotional Jesus. We have a prosperity Jesus. But we want you to have the Jesus of the Bible. We want you to follow that word. In that word is a new birth. That's what we want you to feed on. So re repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now we'll notice in John 8, and I want to leave you with this beautiful set of scriptures here in John 8. We find here that Jesus is referring, talking to the Sadducees and Pharisees. And while he's talking to them, they say, we are Abraham's children and we need to be taught by no man. We are free. Jesus says, verse 32 of St. John 8, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered and said, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, we shall be made free? Jesus said, Verily, verily, I send you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Do you commit sin? Yes, you do. That means you're the servant of sin. You're bound by sin. What can set you free from habitual sin? Repentance. Being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and being filled with the Holy Ghost. Will you make mistakes? Yes, you will but the desire in the heart changes. So I urge you, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin. Find a church that'll baptize you. If you can't find a church, find an individual that'll baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and then write to us, will you please? And tell us about your experience. Write to us and tell us about what the Lord Jesus is doing in your life. God bless you. We'll see you next week. To order a DVD of today's program entitled, How to Receive the Holy Ghost, write to this address or visit us on the web at globalanswers.us. Thank you for joining us and may the Lord Jesus Christ